0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: The Eagles are 3-0 and one of only three teams that can say that. Hello and welcome into the EPA podcast. My name is Shane Half. I am your host today for this episode. You can check me out on Twitter and YouTube at Shane Half NFL. The Eagles moved to 3-0 after a victory on Monday Night Football over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, they win the game 25-11. to I was on the postgame show immediately after the game kind of telling you guys what I thought. Uh, I've had a chance to watch the All-22 film today and I wanted to come back on the mic and tell you guys what I saw on the All-22 film that maybe I didn't talk about a ton uh, on the post-game show, and then we'll turn the page and take a look at the Washington Commanders as we preview the Eagles' week four matchup with them. So let's start out Tampa Bay offense versus the Philadelphia defense. Um, Now, I haven't given the defensive All-22 as much attention as I have the offensive All-22 film, but what I have noticed is that I really like what Sean Desai is doing with this defense—it's uh, it, a lot less vanilla coverages. I, I know I saw people on Twitter during the game talking about the Eagles playing off coverage and giving up free completions, and and I understand that gut reaction, especially on the opening drive when Baker Mayfield converts a third and two against you know ten yards of cushion against Josh Job, and that can be frustrating to watch. But at the end of the day, Baker Mayfield goes fifteen of twenty-five passing for one hundred forty-six yards. He throws a touchdown in garbage time, takes two sacks and throws an interception. And I just think you should be happy with that. And yes, it's Baker Mayfield, but the Buccaneers were undefeated and they've got weapons and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And I thought the things that uh, the Eagles did were were really good. There was a lot of times on film that they would bracket Mike Evans uh, and they sort of played man across the board everywhere else. And I thought they did a good job of devoting extra attention to Mike Evans and don't, you know, lest we forget that they're down Avante Maddox. And so James Bradbury is playing in the slot. And then early in the game, Justin Evans goes down with an injury and he misses the rest of the game. And Sidney Brown took 12 snaps in the slot in the first half. And then he gets injured and he's out. And so there's continual, you know, war of attrition in the secondary. But I like the things that we're seeing from Sean Desai in the defense. And I was glad that they were finally paid off with a good performance uh, a good box score performance because I do think they've performed well throughout the first two weeks. Uh, Baker Mayfield throws his first interception of the year, and this was on a Reed Blankenship play, who I thought had a really good game. Uh, Reed Blankenship has, uh, he it was a quarters coverage look, and so Reed Blankenship's reading the number three receiver if he goes vertical, and he did, and he was able to undercut that and, and get an interception. So that was a great play from Blankenship. There was also a play that I really liked from Blankenship that I tweeted out during the game where uh, he's a split field safety. He's about 12 yards off the line of scrimmage at the snap of the ball, and it's a run play. And he triggers downfield and was able to cut down Sean Tucker in the backfield for a one-yard loss. So anytime a safety is coming off the roof and getting a tackle for loss, that's a great play. I um, thought Blankenship played well. I thought Sidney Brown in the slot, looked decent. He only had a couple of impact plays. Most of the time, the ball didn't go his way. But I, I liked that they did that. Uh, that's something that you don't want James Bradbury locked into the slot for the rest of the season. And, you know, if Josh Job goes down to an injury, do you really want to put uh, Keely Ringo or Eli Ricks outside, or do you want to be able to walk Sidney Brown down into the slot? I think it gives you the chance to do some things situationally, some matchup things. And also, it just gives you better flexibility to give Brown some experience in the slot. A place he took over 300 snaps in college. And so, I liked that look from the defense. Uh, I thought the defensive line consistently generated pressure in this game again. Jalen Carter finished with a team-high five pressures on only 16 pass rushes. He is tied for second among defensive tackles with total pressures uh, with 15 right now, trailing Javon Hargrave by two. So, again, he's just he's a younger, uh, cheaper Just as good Javon Hargrave through three games of his career. I think the Georgia boys on the interior of the defensive line are playing incredibly right now. Uh, Jordan Davis has played really well. Jalen Carter has played well. Fletcher Cox is playing really well, although he's probably taking a few more snaps than I would ideally like to see right now. And the Eagles just continue to build through the trenches. And When you're so good in the trenches as the Eagles are, it allows some other things to fall in place. One of the craziest stats that I've ever come across, I was pulling the DVOA numbers, which uh, for those of you that don't know exactly what DVOA is, it stands for defensive, defensive adjusted value over average. And it attempts to say, you know, this is how much better or worse a unit performs than average. And so the Eagles rushing DVOA right now ranks first in the league at negative 52.8%. That means the average rushing attack will do 52.8% worse against the Eagles run defense than they would against an average run defense. And that number ranks first this century. Uh, The second best is the 2000 Ravens at only negative 38.7%. That's just incredible. And it's a testament to Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter's impact, but it's also a testament to Sean Desai's scheme. I've had people ask me about Hassan Reddick and about Josh Sweat and why we're not generating sacks the way that we did a year ago. And a lot of it comes down to what defensive ends are being asked to do, what edge rushers are being asked to do. Last year, it was just penetrate upfield with reckless abandon, and that's why you weren't a very good run defense. This year, it's a little more of a read and react. It's a little less attacking but it's so much better against the run. And so uh, the Eagles have been phenomenal against the run through the first few games. And we'll see if that can stand, that can continue against a Washington team that we'll get into in a minute has a pretty good rushing attack. Uh, One other note I'll give on the defense. Uh, I just loved that Jalen hurts throws an interception down at the one yard line on a play. We'll get to in a minute the defense answers right back with a safety and that's Jalen Carter being double-teamed. That's Jordan Davis getting pushed. That's Zach Cunningham flying downfield like a bat out of hell blowing up a center. And then it's Nicholas Morrow shooting that gap and getting a safety. And so Zach Cunningham has been a monster against the run. I said last week he was really poor in coverage. I didn't notice him really on broadcast as a positive or negative in coverage. And I didn't really notice him on the all 22 either. So, uh, that's If you can just not notice Zach Cunningham in coverage, that's probably a good sign. And Nicholas Morrow, I think, continues to play really well. So if the Eagles can get this play out of their linebackers and out of Reed Blankenship, uh, this defense could end up being really good. So I was impressed with the defensive performance. It was dominant performance uh, from you know beginning to end. Of course, they give up the touchdown in garbage time to cut it to 25-11 with nine minutes left. But Overall in the day, they hold the Tampa Bay offense to 174 total yards. And I believe, let's see, it was 75 of those yarded yards came on the Buccaneers' last drive. So prior to the Buccaneers' last drive, they were under 100 total yards for the day. And that's just impressive stuff from the defense. Now let's talk about the Eagles' offense. And the offense, it was hit and miss. Uh, I was more down on the offensive performance on broadcast than I was after watching the All-22 for some reasons we'll talk about. Uh, But the Eagles end up taking four trips inside the Tampa Bay 25-yard line in the first half, and they walked away with only six points off of those four trips. Now, one of them was at the end of the half, and you're running out of time. But still, A.J. Brown not getting out of bounds. You call a run play, and you just end up having to kick a field goal. And that's not good. The Eagles have to do better. Uh, in that regard and when it comes to red zone scoring and I know I said the 25 is the cutoff not the red zone but the Eagles are only putting the ball in the end zone on 45 and a half percent of their red zone trips which is tied for 25th in the league and that's a number that has to improve and I think it will improve there was just a lot of near misses in this game Um, AJ Brown the Eagles I thought made a conscious effort to get AJ Brown the ball in this game Uh, The first two passes of the game went to him on a little mesh concept where Dallas Goddard was uh, running the rub route against his defender. And then they ran dagger a couple plays later and they got it to him again. And, you know, to be honest, even though AJ ended up with nine receptions and 131 yards, I didn't think it was his best game. Uh, He dropped a touchdown pass. Uh, There was another one that was almost intercepted. And I thought it was just a bad throw on Hertz on the broadcast view, but on the all 22, you can see, and I highlighted this in an all 22 video that'll be up uh, on YouTube shortly, but AJ Brown slips coming out of his break, his hand, he puts his hand on the ground to steady himself. And the ball is just a little too far overthrown because he slipped. And so I, and that's not AJ Brown's fault necessarily, but it was just a little bit off, but that drop touchdown really did hurt. Um, But still, he's so good after the catch, the Eagles loved in this game, especially by like the third quarter, the Buccaneers were blitzing, blitzing, blitzing. 75% of Hertz's dropbacks, they brought a blitz. And so the Eagles just started to counter by going empty. And this is something they tried to do early against the Vikings, and it just didn't work. And I don't know if the extra time to study film and talk through it worked, or just different game, different circumstances, but the Eagles tore up the blitz out of empty. And one of the reasons you want to go empty against the blitz is, is because it spreads the defense out horizontally and it allows you to figure out where the blitz is coming from. There's one play that I highlighted in the all 22 where you can just tell pre-snap, like it has to be a cover zero blitz because of the alignment that the safety is over the tight end, which means the linebacker over the tight end is going to blitz. And on the backside, you're not going to bail that linebacker because he couldn't get into the middle of the field. So it's gotta be cover zero the Eagles hit a quick slant route to Dallas Goddard over the middle of the field. And that's what they did time and time again, utilizing these curl routes to AJ Brown, to Devonta Smith. People didn't like uh, on that last drive when the Eagles went empty and they launched a go ball to Kenny Gainwell uh, downfield. And I understand it's like, why are we throwing shots to Kenny Gainwell on a team that has AJ Brown and Devonta Smith, but he has a linebacker on him. And anytime you can make a linebacker turn his hips and run 30 yards downfield, that's a shot worth taking. And it makes you respect that vertical threat because they come back the next play with a diamond formation, four receivers and a diamond on the right, A.J. Brown on the left. You have to respect the vertical threat, and he just breaks it off at a 10-yard curl and then breaks a tackle, and it's off to the races. So I thought the Eagles did a good job of utilizing empty. That's something I called for on last week's EPA podcast, if you guys will remember, I said the Buccaneers like to go base 3-4 and stack the box, so I wanted the Eagles to spread them out, go empty, and I thought they did a really good job doing that. So hat tip to Brian Johnson and to the Eagles' offense on that. Now let's talk about the two Jalen Hurts interceptions. He ends 23 of 37 for 277 yards. One touchdown, two interceptions, and he took one sack. Uh, The first interception to DeAndre Swift. I would love to get a truth serum in Jalen Hurts and know what he expected to happen on that play Uh, because DeAndre Swift, I think it's a choice route. I think Swift can break in or out depending on the coverage, and Hurts throws the ball behind him as he breaks in, and it's an easy interception. But if you watch on All-22 or even just watching live on the broadcast, you can tell like Hurts throws this ball to like the point where DeAndre Swift is breaking. So much so that if he broke out, it would have also been behind him and been an interception. So I don't know uh, if Hertz is expecting a curl route, in which case I wouldn't throw that because the linebacker's right there. Uh, I don't know if he was expecting him to like break out and he broke in and he realized that as he's letting go of the ball. I don't know exactly what happened there, but uh, Swift and Hertz not on the same page, or it could be as simple as a bad throw by Jalen Hertz as well. Honestly, we'll never know, but I do like that they're putting things like that in the offense. I think that's a good way to counter the blitz. It just didn't work out this time. And then on the second one, uh, the ball to Devonta Smith in the end zone. I think that one, it's a combination of a lot of things. So it's a post route to Devonta Smith. The safety steps down, anticipating the dig route from A.J. Brown from the opposite sideline. So anytime you have a post route going against a corner with outside leverage, and he's over the top of the safety, you take that shot. Like the decision to throw. Is it thrown just a tad behind? Yes. Now you're running out of room at the sideline, but you could have pushed it more towards the back pylon. If you go watch on the video, I talk about it. Um, Devonta Smith has to flatten his route down quite a bit, and that makes him lose the step that he had on the cornerback. And so could it have been a better pass? Yes, it could have been a better pass. Devonta Smith should not let a cornerback cut under him like that you can't let somebody undercut a route you just can't do it and so it's a little bit on Devonta Smith but mostly like if we're assigning blame maybe like five percent hurts maybe like 20 percent Devonta Smith but like 75 percent is just a defensive back making a phenomenal play being able to close on that jump through for the interception that's one where you like your you like the play you go to the sideline and you say I like the decision maybe I could have done something a little different, but for the most part, you just tip your cap to the offense or the defense and you move on. And in this case, you have to do it pretty quickly because the Eagles get a safety on the very next play and put the offense back on the field. So overall, I like what I'm seeing the Eagles do against the blitz. Jalen hurts has been blitzed at the highest rate in the NFL this year at 56% of his dropbacks played three, very blitz happy offensive court or defensive coordinators and, We're finally going to see a break in that this week against Washington. And then we got to talk about the ground game. I'll have all 22 up on the ground game as well, but I thought the offensive line just kicked butt in this game. DeAndre Swift ran for 130 yards on 16 carries. Uh, He now has 308 yards on the season at 6.84 yards per attempt. His success rate is 67%. And if you compared that to last season, now it's a small sample size, but if we're going to do the whole the Miami Dolphins would break the scoring record by 131 points at this pace through three games thing, we can do the DeAndre Swift success rate thing through three games or really two. His 67% success rate would rank first by a mile among running backs last season. Josh Jacobs, who won the rushing crown last year, had 47% success rate, and that led the league. DeAndre Swift has 67. Even if you include quarterbacks, Josh Allen's NFL best 62% success rate, DeAndre Swift beats that. DeAndre Swift has been more successful rushing the football than one of the better running quarterbacks in the NFL last year. And this is including against a defense that featured Vita Vea, a team that stacks the box, runs base 3-4 at the highest rate in the league. They were fourth in rushing EPA and 12th in rushing success rate coming into the game, and the Eagles just destroyed them. And they did some creative things to do that, uh, some counters that they ran, getting Jason Kelsey out in space. Uh, Cam Jurgens played really well in this game. Uh, Landon Dickerson just displaces people. That trio on the interior of the offensive line, like Lane Johnson gets all the press for being a great right tackle, and he should. Jordan Maialata. Is, I think he's ranked top three in both pass block win rate and run block win rate. But this run game is all about the trio of Dickerson, Kelsey, and Cam Jurgens, and they work so, so well together. So a hat tip to the Eagles offense. I thought the Eagles offense did a good job uh, in a game that you win that's not particularly close on the road against an undefeated team to have this many missed opportunities. Like easily a couple of plays could have bounced the other direction, and this could have been a 40-3 to three ball game. So that's going to do it for our recap of Monday Night Football. We're going to throw it to a quick break, and then I'll be back to talk about the Eagles and Commanders next Sunday.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference.
1: And we are back here on the EPA podcast. Just finished talking about the Eagles' victory over the Buccaneers. Now it's time to turn the page and talk about the Washington Commanders who will make their visit to Lincoln Financial Field on Sunday. Now the Eagles definitely remember the Commanders coming into Lincoln Financial Field last year and handing the Eagles their first loss of the season. And I think this is going to be a revenge game for the Eagles. I can promise you they won't be taking this game lightly. So let's talk about, uh, first up, let's talk Washington offense against the Philadelphia defense. And if you're listening on podcasts, you can check out my Twitter account. It will have this graphic tweeted later. If you're watching here on YouTube, uh, you can see I've got a screenshot up here that i put together of the commanders' uh, tendencies on offense and defense. And so you can keep an eye on that as we talk through this game. So uh, Washington, Uh, ranks 26th in the league in pass block win rate at 35%. So this is not a good offensive line. Now, their left tackle, Charles Leno, Leno is having a good year. Uh, So is their right guard, Sam Cosme. Those two guys have combined to allow only one sack and eight pressures and two penalties through three games. But those two guys don't play next to each other. So this isn't like a left tackle and a left guard, and you can put a tight end on the right side and help chip and double team. These guys are on opposite sides of the line, and every player between them is a weakness for this offensive line. There are the three starters, uh, left guard Sadiq Charles, center Nick Gates, and right tackle Andrew Wiley. They've combined to allow nine sacks, 23 pressures, and three penalties. Through the first three weeks. Last week against the Buffalo Bills defensive line, Sam Howell was pressured on 69% of his dropbacks, was the which is the highest pressure rate in the next gen stats era that dates back to 2016. He was sacked nine times. He was intercepted four times. Now this just takes me back to last year when the Eagles played Washington for the first time with Carson Wentz at quarterback and they sacked Wentz nine times. I think this is a game you could see this pass rush really destroy uh, the Washington offense. The the commanders like to run a lot of 11 personnel with Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson. Uh, They use 11 personnel, which is one running back, one tight end on 76% of their snaps, which ranks sixth in the NFL. And they have an offensive success rate of 44%, which ranks 12th in the NFL when using 11 personnel. When they're not in 11, they're pretty much going to be in 12 personnel, and that's about all that they run. This is not a tempo team. They very rarely go no huddle, but they do use a decent amount of pre-snap motion. Their, their pre-snap motion is at 51%, which is 10th in the NFL. Uh, so about half of their plays, they're going to have a guy in motion. Uh, they run RPOs on 21% of their plays, which is the third highest in the league. And so they're going to do a lot of motion, a lot of RPOs. Um, they're going to they're gonna try to make things as easy as they can for Sam Howell. They run screens on like 8% of their plays, so it's going to be throws behind the line, uh, quick quick passing. Uh, They're going to try to get the ball out of Sam Howell's hands uh, and let their playmakers make plays. Now, when you talk about their running game, they are currently 12th in rushing EPA and their second in rushing success rate so far this season. Now, the Eagles defense is first in rush defense EPA and third in rushing success rate respect respectively. And so this is going to be a clash in the trenches. The Vikings are the second best team in the NFL at generating positive plays on the ground. The Eagles are the third best team at generating negative plays on the ground for the opponent's offense. And so I do think you're going to see them try to run the ball. Uh, hopefully the Eagles can continue to stand up to that. And like I mentioned earlier, that rushing DVOA statistic, I'm going to repeat it again because it's just this mind blowing for me. Negative 52.8% rush DVOA defense for the Eagles. The second best this century is the uh, 2000 Baltimore Ravens at negative 38.7%. One other thing to note in this game is that uh, the commanders are, they're frankly terrible on third downs. Their third down EPA is 31st in the league. Uh, Their third down success rate is 27th. In the league. And so, this is a team that really struggles if they get behind the sticks to continue converting, which makes sense when you have a guy like Sam Howell, relatively unproven as your quarterback. And so, I think the Eagles defense does have a pretty favorable matchup with the Washington offense. Granted, Washington does have some good receivers, but the, I think the Eagles are up to the challenge. Now, let's flip the script and let's talk about the Eagles offense against the Commanders defense. Um, the commanders do not like to put only four defensive backs on the field. They do not like to run base personnel. Uh, they have they run a nickel 425 on about 57% of their snaps, and then they run nickel 335 on about 9%, and then they're in dime, whether it be f- four down linemen or three down linemen, about 20% of their snaps. And so they run a ton of light personnel. And the Eagles showed a willingness last week to get in 12 personnel to put Jack Stoll out there. And Jack Stoll is almost operating like a sixth offensive lineman at this point. I wonder if the Eagles will go heavy personnel and try to force the commanders to get a third linebacker on the field. If that's what I would be looking to do early in this game. I think I would look to go heavy personnel and you can even pass out of it, but just make them run something dictate to the defense that they can't run the sets that they like to run so frequently. Uh, In addition to being so light on the field, they also run two high shells on 60% of their snaps, uh, which is sixth highest in the league. And they're uh, ranked first in the league in middle of field open coverage. And so that means two safeties, right? If there's one safety in the middle, he's closing the middle of the field. If there's two safeties splitting it, it's open. They run middle-of-field open coverage on 55% of their plays, which ranks first in the NFL. So there's not much safety rotation. They pretty much show too high, and they stick in too high coverages uh, pretty pretty frequently. When it comes to blitzing, this is not a team that blitzes a whole lot, thankfully. Like if you want to know why the Eagles' offense hasn't looked great through three weeks, look no further than the blitz rate. And it's not just that teams are blitzing the Eagles a lot because they're not good at it. I think they've handled it pretty well this year. But blitzing makes games messy, and they've faced three really blitz-happy defensive coordinators. That is not what they're going to face against the Commanders, who only blitz on about 21% of their snaps, which is 22nd in the league. Now, we talked about the battle in the trenches, the running game for the Commanders' offense. It's a very real thing for the Eagles' offense as well. The Eagles are currently 3rd. In rushing EPA and their first in rushing success rate. Washington's defense is sixth in rushing EPA and ninth in rushing success rate. And so this is going to be a big battle as well. Now, the Buccaneers were really good. And I talked about that last week. Vita Vea on the middle of that defensive line and how much base personnel they play. And the commanders don't play a lot of base personnel, but they've got Jonathan Allen and Duron Payne, who are two exceptional defensive tackles that are going to anchor the middle of this nickel four two five approach, and they're going to try to disrupt that trio of the Eagles' interior offensive line, keep them from climbing to the second level and springing big runs for DeAndre Swift in the offense. And so can the Eagles establish the run? Will they go heavy personnel? I do think you'll go heavy personnel in this game, but it still wouldn't surprise me if you spend a lot of time spreading out into empty as well, just like last week. One final note that we can look at here is Uh, red zone scoring, uh, Washington has a good red zone defense. They've only allowed a touchdown on 40% of red zone trips, which is tied for the eighth best mark in the NFL and the Eagles. We talked about it earlier. They've struggled to put the ball in the end zone. Uh, They've only scored on 45% of their red zone trips, a touchdown, which is tied for 25th in the NFL. So this is a red zone offense that's still struggling facing a red zone defense defense. That's pretty good. If Washington is to win this game after the game's over, if you tell me Washington won, what am I talking about on the post game show? I'm talking about Washington being able to stymie the Eagles rushing attack. And I'm talking about them being able to hold the Eagles to three when the Eagles drive the field. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I think this is a game where the Eagles put a lot of fans minds at ease. Um, I just think that they are the the commanders are outmatched tremendously in this game. And so it would not surprise me if this is the game that I don't know about like a blowout, blowout, because you see last week, the Eagles with a 14 point lead, they milk 922 off the clock and in the game. And so when you can have a lead and just kill the entire fourth quarter in one drive, it, it might limit the amount of points that you put up. But I do think the Eagles are going to handle business. Uh, if this was not a division game, then I would pick the Eagles to win huge and have no qualms about it. They're just a better football team because it's a divisional game and weird things happen, especially against the commanders who, who won, you know, last year, they came into Philadelphia and won. It gives me a little pause, but not enough to not make the pick. I'm going to take the Eagles in this one. Uh, I'm going to say it is 34 to 13. And so I think the Eagles win convincingly. And next week we're celebrating the Eagles being four and zero and the offense finally starting to look the part. Well, that's going to do it for this preview episode of the EPA. That is Eagles Player Analysis Podcast. You guys let me know what you think Uh, in the comments. uh, You can tag me on Twitter, uh, at me on Twitter, and let me know what you guys think, uh, what you expect to come into the game. Be sure you check out my Twitter. I've got graphics like the graphic I showed here with the Washington Schematic Tendencies coming out all week. I've got all 22 clips coming out all week, so you guys check that out. Make sure you smash that subscribe button here on the BGN radio feed so you get every single show. Eye on the Enemy, BGN Radio, Babes on Broad, uh, the the NFC East mixtape, all the great shows that are here on the feed. Make sure you're subscribed so that you get those. Uh, If you have not left us a rating and review, please consider doing that wherever you listen to your podcast. It really helps us get that out there for more eagles fans so that's going to do it for this episode thank you guys for tuning in i will catch you on the post game show sunday afternoon go birds